This might have been stated once before, but it's worth stating again in case I haven't. In the course of my lectures to my Uber clients, I have a captive audience, I've managed to help develop or streamline some of the concepts that I've spoken of before but were not as fully developed as they are now, and this one has to do with time. Uh, specifically the reversal of time. <clears throat> According to Microcap 12, and the paper that I wrote that was published, but uh, and it's got assigned a DOI number, but it's um, not listed at the doi.org web website. So there's some dispute as to whether or not it's in the public domain. I mean, it's out there on the journal's website, but... Um, that kind of makes it public, but not officially, according to the DOI, because they won't list it. They refuse to. I'm going to send them an email. I'm going to ask them about that. Anywho, so in that paper, um, the shortcut to locate that paper on the Internet is um, is.gd forward slash abstract relativity, all one word. And I basically cite general relativity and the reversal of time is a shift in perspective. That's uh, more or less the title. Now, that's the way Microcap sees it. But I'm going to explain to you now why Microcap sees these transient surges that occur at the beginning of a simulated runtime, which is similar to an event happening shortly after the closing or opening of um, a mechanical relay such as a switch when the two contacts separate or when they combine. Uh, let's just, in the, in, in the case of uh, this example, let's say when they combine to close the circuit and complete the loop and allow current to flow because that's what a simulated runtime means, effectively speaking, that a switch has been engaged, namely the circuit simulation, and current is now flowing one way or the other. Um, anywho. So, these transient surges, according to Microcap 12, they can happen in the beginning or they can happen in any time throughout the runtime of the simulation, but usually they happen at the beginning. And it's standard conventional wisdom. You get a surge at the beginning, um, such as in this instance, we are uh, examining or restricting ourselves to the closing of a switch and the engagement of power. Um, the problem is nobody's bothered to look at how a simulator views energy versus power, one divided into the other, to get a ratio proportion between them to indicate the nature of the time interval that is being utilized by the simulator to analyze that time interval to tell us you know, what's happening with amps and volts and whatnot. Nobody bothers to look at that. Until me. <laughs> I've decided to out of curiosity. And it turns out that according to Microcap 12, time goes backwards during a transient surge of a voltage spike um, possessing very little current, so there's no hardly any power there, but a tremendous amount of voltage. And most people say, ah, oh, why bother studying it? Well, because it is an event which has no cause. It is a result that has no cause and thus is not held accountable. It has no accountability 
to anyone or conservation of energy, and you can do whatever you like with it. You can magnify, shrink, do whatever you like with that reactive power because it is not tied down to anything. It has nothing to do with the physicality of the circuit. It is energy coming in from the ether that we stepped aside and allowed to happen. Now, people who manage the utility grid use voltage and other techniques to suppress these surges so that they don't come in and add energy to the system. But when you've got energy added to the system from the ether, it has no accountability and can, you can do whatever you like with it. It can expand, contract like Ant-Man in Marvel Comics. You literally can create infinity or, well, no, you can... Infinity and zero are the asymptotic limits, but you can create anything short of infinity or short of zero. Those two extremes are your limits that you cannot reach, and you can make energy shrink or expand to those degrees when it's this kind of flexible energy that has no accountability to anything because it came from the ether. It's not coming from physicality. Um, and you can use it to manipulate the energy of physicality. It beca because it's reactants, it's not power. You know, we call it maybe reactive power, but it's not power, it's reactants. But it's reactants of a type that has no causation. Now, reactants, the word reactants implies a res that it is a result, resulting from the application of real power. That's how my perception of Ohm's law is. Applied voltage times reactive voltage divided by various impedances and resistance in a framework of time so that Ohm's law does not exist. It's a figment of our imagination. It's actually, because it doesn't have to do with watts, it has to do with joules. It has to do with energy. That's the only way to look at it. You have to include time, but as I'm going to get to in a minute, time is a mental construct of human perception to make uh, analysis possible of the changes that happen in our world. Anyway, so we've got these surges, and microcap 12 thinks time is going backwards. What is really happening? I think it's a phenomenon related to you're driving along, and the two cars are on the road in two adjacent lanes, and one is passing the other. The one that's being passed is not going backwards. Because the one that is pass, doing the passing is not the only one doing the moving. Or, excuse me, <laughs> I got it backwards. The one doing the passing is not standing still. They're both moving forward. It's just that now they're moving relative to each other. The slower one is moving backwards relative to the faster one. So, when Microcap 12 says that time goes backwards during a transient surge, they're a little mistaken. What really happens is the circuit, the free energy circuit that I use, that I choose to use to manifest these surges, is actually spawning a parasitic frequency, which is coming in from the ether. And it has an entirely different shape. It has no shape, really. It spikes. Um, every half cycle, you get a spike, and during that spike, the amperage is opposite in voltage to, excuse me, opposite in polarity to the voltage. And then they swap at each half cycle, swap polarities. 
And this is the nature of what I like to create because it's extremely explosive. You get a lot of gain for very little effort. <laughs> you can get, you can have nanowatts or picowatts input uh, governed by like a microvolt of uh, voltage. Meanwhile, you can have any output you want in any duration of time. You name it, you can have it. Um, you can have any, and then you can have it collapse in a periodic manner so that the surges don't go to infinity. Once in a while, they collapse towards zero, but not all the way, sort of speak, uh, as far as the uh, input real power running uh, power is long since dissipated and gone away, gone bye-bye. Um, <clears throat> but this reactive power literally builds itself, it's, it compounds itself on itself at an exponential rate which is greater than the dissipation rate of the input energy that you're feeding it. And so it overtakes it and you get a gain. And then you have overunity, which keeps getting bigger unless it collapses in a periodic manner, depending on the makeup of your circuit causing the strobe effect to occur. And so since it doesn't go back down to really, really close to zero, it, there's like a warm-up period. And so you get this minimum energy that's always there uh, because it drops to that point and then starts surging. Um, another surge begins. You know, these surges keep happening. You know, it's not like they go away. You encourage them to keep respawning themselves. Even though you encourage it to, in some cases, depending on the circuit, to collapse in a periodic strobe-like manner. So it's a very interesting thing, energy, what you can get it to do. It's, we really haven't studied it enough, is what it amounts to. I'm in the wrong lane to go north. <laughs> I'm driving while I'm making this recording. Okay, I'm going to have to figure out how to do a Yui. Um, so let's see, where are we? focusing. <laughs> well, I'm doing two things at once. What do I want? Um, okay, okay, okay. So the parasitic frequency of spikes is, not, is literally an event which has no ties to any causation because it's coming from the ether, the field of the square root of negative one. It counters space. Um, it, it's not a physical spatial reality and so it's not tied to conservation of energy because it's certainly not tied to time because we see all these different anomalies of time, which Emily Noether's theorem says if there's a time shift, conservation of energy, you have to throw it away. It doesn't apply anymore. And so I'm just analyzing and describing to you my analysis of what's actually happening. Time is not actually going backwards according to microcap. What's happening is the input frequency is going slower than the parasitic frequency. And the simulator chooses to use the input frequency as its reference for time. And, me, and so consequently, the parasitic frequency is going like, I don't know, 5 or 50 times faster? 5. I think it's 5 times. Yeah, 5 times faster. So 150 cycles per second for the parasitic frequency and 30,000 cycles per second for the input frequency. And the input frequency is a sine wave of, of 1 microvolt. And the output frequency are spikes of alternation in which the amps and volts are opposed to each other and they flip polarity every half cycle. So the simulator is using the input frequency as its time reference and so consequently it thinks that time is going backwards because the input time is going slower 
than the output time. And you know, it's the card that's getting passed. Looks like it's going backwards if we were standing still, but we're not. Inertia makes us think that we're standing still. But in, in reality, we're moving forward at 80 miles an hour, and the car we're passing is moving forward at 60 miles an hour. And so it appears to be moving backwards when in reality it's simply moving slower in the same direction we are. Well, this is what's happening in the circuit. And that's the way the software is analyzing the situation, telling us that time is going backwards when in reality <laughs> we have two time frames now instead of one. Now let me take a little aside on time. Time is always now. It does not go backwards. It does not go forwards. It does not move. It is always now. It's a singularity just like space. Space and time are singularities. Space is here. Time is now. There is no other reality. But because of the machinations, shall we say, of the universe and the need for the mind of man the need for the mind of man to make some orderly sense of it all, we create a fiction called time that I call phasic time as opposed to eternal now time. And phasic time has phases. It has yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And it has movement. It, it, and so it marks the calendar of change is what it does. But change happens at different rates depending on what part of creation you're talking about. And so we set up a standard of time using uh, cesium, the vibratory rate of cesium as our standard. But in the olden days, we had uh, clockwork mechanisms which were consistently non-variance to varying to a marked degree. And it created our sense of regularity to time in which you had the clock cycle or a combination of cycles of various cycles within cycles but they were all that was our standard the hours the minutes the seconds and they all fit very nicely inside of each other telescopically but they were consistent that was the important feature but they are cycles and when you draw it out it's really no different than a sine wave if you took a clock, an analog clock, not a digital clock, and moved it sideways and had a pencil point on the tip of each of the arms of that clock and you, it could draw, let's say it wasn't a pencil point, let's say it was an opening of smoke, you would get, um, no, actually, you'd have to have the clock moving towards you or away from you but facing you. And this mark in space made by the tip of the hand of the clock would create a helical path which when viewed from the side looks like a sine wave because that's what the path that energy takes. It's helical in three dimensions but in two dimensionals of uh, space orthographic projection looking to its side it looks like a sine wave. So clocks mark out sine waves when they mark out the passage of time. And that's exactly what my input frequency of my various simulations can sometimes be, is an input frequency of sine waves, 30,000 cycles per, uh, per second, let's say. If it goes too slow, the, the circuit goes comatose. 
If it goes too fast, it blows up in your face. So I do have to pick uh, an appropriate frequency. But nonetheless, be that as it may, let's say it's 30,000 cycles per second of a sine wave. That's the input frequency, and that's the reference that microcap uses for time. Now, so energy has its own reference for time, and that is the for its own frequency. And it has no other sense for time. And if it should change its frequency... Well, I don't know if that's possible, but if it should, if it could, then its time would change and conservation of energy would get thrown away. But here we're dealing with the energy of a circuit composed of various frequencies within it, and physicists or electrical engineers are analyzing the circuit, not the separate energies themselves that make up the composition of energy within the circuit. See, there's a little difference there. And so, seen from the vantage point of the circuit, we say, oh, time went backwards. When in reality, one time frame is moving forwards faster than the other. And the one that's moving faster is the resulting frequency of the applied frequency. The applied frequency being real power and the resulting frequency being imaginary power, not reactive. So, there's no real in it until it hits up with resistance and converts into something useful but it's actually imaginary power. Or, let's put it this way, it, if it gets squared and becomes negative watts, then we have something in the real domain that we can make use of. And the squaring process does happen, as a matter of course. Um, in the course of uh, computing the reality of energy as it uh, goes through its various transformations, the various equations that we use, puts the energy through various mathematical functions so that what originally was the square root of negative one coming in from the ether now becomes real power in the negative as watts, negative watts. It's The circuit is generating it. But remember, we've got a composition of energies running this thing some of which is coming from the physical world, the input power, and some of it's coming from the etheric world, the resulting power that has no ties to accountability, so conservation of energy does not apply to it, and the circuit can manipulate, can leverage how much resulting etheric energy we want. But although it's originally etheric, it quickly takes on the characteristics of real power in, as, in a limited way, in as much as it becomes negative watts. It's still weird because it spikes, in which, in between the two half cycles, it does not exist in the physical world. It's still only purely imaginary. It's still purely only etheric. So it only enters our world twice during each cycle, during each half cycle. And the rest of the period of time that we are marking out in our uh, version of time, in between two half cycles, it does not insert itself, intrude itself. It does not intrude into our world. So it's just a blip. And how long the duration of the blip, I don't know because microcap can't, cannot tell me. 
call it a quanta of time. I don't know. Whatever that means. All I know is it appears only twice. So we don't even know how long that duration is. Or even if it has a duration. When it blips onto the physicality scene of uh, our concrete world. Twice of each of its parasitic cycles. In this example that I'm thinking of. 150,000 cycles per second. Which is five times faster than the 30,000 input sine wave cycle that I'm considering as an example in one of my circuit simulations. <clears throat> so we have a very interesting situation going on in which we have two time references. The time references of the etheric energy and the time reference of the concrete world, physicality, real power, um, sine wave energy. And when the simulator compares them, Using the input frequency as its reference, it thinks that the output that I'm measuring and looking at on the uh, virtual uh, oscilloscope tracings of the uh, screen of my computer indicates when I divide energy into power or power into energy, it, it, this, the microcap 12 simulator tells me that time is going backwards for the output energy using the input energy as its reference. Have I got that straight? Yeah. No, wait a second. Holy shit, that's backwards. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm only... No, no. It's looking at the ratio between them. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> so, I'm dividing one into the other. Energy into power so that I'm looking at um, time. Removing what both energy and power have in common, which is power. And I'm looking at the polarity of time... And so time goes backwards because the simulator chooses to use the input frequency as its reference. There we go. But I'm, but it's a consequence of factoring in. Um, well, it's a consequence of the out. Oh, huh? Oh, I see. The wattage. No. No, 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 wait. The wattage and the energy are both functions being applied to the output energy. Is that right? No. Oh, I see. The simulator is combining all wattages and all energies and then dividing one into the other. So, <clears throat> for whatever it's worth, it is using... I, I See, I'm speculating. I'm making a guess estimate here, but it... Looks, it appears to me this is a more reasonable explanation than saying that time goes backwards. The, the simulator software is choosing the input energy, or watts if you prefer, or power, as its reference for time. So that the output is the resultant time. Um, but... Or no, not the result. Well, a better word would be to say it's the modifying, the, the time which modifies the input time. Because the input time is the reference, and so the output time is modifying the input time. So it's modifying the software's reference, its frame of reference, and thus it looks like it's going backwards because it's slower. All right? Now, this is all, this is not something fictional because first of all surges happen all the time second of all um, 
parasitic frequencies happen all the time. So a better way to put this is to say that this is what happens when a parasitic frequency appears in a circuit or in a network, let's say. Because that's really what my circuits are. They're types of networks. Because you have all the elements of a network. Capacitive reactants, inductive reactants, blah, blah, blah. And they're interacting, creating this free energy, which the, the electric utility grid does the same thing uh, in its own way. It creates this intrusion into its system of etheric energy, of imaginary power, or imaginary energy if you prefer, that's predicated purely on the square root of negative one before it starts interacting with the real power resulting from it meeting up with various simple resistances, not inductive reactants, uh, not in not inductive resistance and not capacitive uh, equivalent series resistance, but just simple resistance of, let's say, a length of wire that's in a coil or straight, doesn't matter. And that simple resistance is going to convert that purely imaginary power into real power, and oily moily, we have negative watts. Okay? So, I think that covers it. I didn't repeat myself too much, I hope. And other than the fact that I might have stated this in prior podcasts, but... I think it's recently, I may not have, it's recently among my Uber clients, now I'm repeating myself, that I've had a captive audience and I lecture them whenever I get an opportunity and so I I help, it helps to hone my thoughts, my concepts, my beliefs, if you will, on how electrodynamics functions in the free energy universe. (laughs) And this is the way I see it. That time is not really going backwards, there's no such thing. But it can look that way. Now, on the physical plane, I don't know if it's possible to go backwards in time. I don't know. But in the astral plane, at a higher frequency of creation, it is possible. And that's a whole other subtopic in itself. Um, I don't know why I mentioned that and then not explain it. Um, Right. I'll go into it another time when I feel more comfortable (laughs) with that um, knowledge because I'm, you know, I'm learning. The longer I live, the more I learn. It's all uh, incremental, right? Scientific mind is, if I'm a naturalist, I observe. That's how I taught myself electrodynamics because I used simulators to give me experience. And then in my curiosity, I went looking for answers. But only after I had sufficient time familiarizing myself with a specific type of experience or observation, I should say. And only then did I get curious. Ooh, wow, this keeps repeating itself when I do uh, certain things to the circuit. Hmm, I wonder what that's, what's going on. And so that's how I get my theory developed, by learning from other people what the theory of electrodynamics is, according to conventional wisdom. And then if I need to, to fill in the gaps of conventional wisdom, I come up with my own theory. I flunked physics in college, in in university, because I came up with my own theories, because I thought theirs were, mine were just as good as theirs, if not better. And the teacher didn't want to hear my theories, he wanted to hear me spit out the theory he told me that conventional physics teaches. And I wasn't interested. 
So I got a flunk. He flunked me. <laughs> and it helped contribute to me being expelled from the university for one semester, and I never went back. <laughs> I, oh, boy, I had a hard time fitting in on, on all levels, sociologically, academically, uh, emotionally, whatever, physically. <laughs> oh, boy, I had a hard time fitting in. So I just figured, what, what the hell? It's too much effort. I'm not going to go back. <laughs> anyway, that's enough sidebar from me, huh? All right. That was... Um, Anyway, so I've covered the topic plus a few sidebars, uh, personal things like I'm driving still <laughs> and making this recording at the same time and turning off my cell phone and hiding the cell phone when a police officer was nearby. Yes, I don't want to get a ticket. <laughs> oh, I'm such a naughty boy. <laughs> I'm an Uber driver. What do you expect? <laughs> I, I'm naughty all the time. Cops at the airport hate me. <laughs> Enough said.